0: It's getting awkward, is it? <laughs> what is your expectation? If I just stand here and keep quiet and not say a word, what is your expectation? You are thinking, what's he doing? <laughs> is he going to speak or what? This exercise I've just done is the reality of how we live our lives. I'm going to expand on that in a minute. (laughs) But just remember how awkward that felt, me standing here and not saying a word. And you there looking at me with an expectation that I'm going to say a word. When we lived through this life, yesterday we were at Fun Day, as Nathan mentioned, at the Brooks. We had a fantastic time. We had opportunity to speak to each other and share stories. And when you go through life, you know, you meet people and they share different kinds of stories. Some people like speaking about, generally the British public, like speaking about the weather. You, you wouldn't have a conversation with someone without mentioning how great or worse or miserable the weather is. That is just what Brits do. They talk about the weather. Some like talking about politics. I can't imagine a day going by without me looking at some political news or a political commentary. Some people like talking about their children. And that is all they talk about. You can sit with them and for hours and hours they'll just go on and on and on about their children. And some people like talking about themselves. No matter how much you try to tweak the conversation, they'll turn it around and it comes back to them. And they'll talk about themselves. And they find joy in doing that. Well, today I want to look at a story of guys who are having a conversation and just see today what they were talking about. The story I'm eluding from, I'm going to just read four verses from the story because it is a story that we are all familiar with. It comes from Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. I'm sorry, I haven't done any PowerPoint presentation. I, I just wanted to do it and then I thought, actually, I always listen better when Ad speaks, because he never has, has a PowerPoint, so I have to listen when he's ready. So forgive me for those who like PowerPoint. Uh, it says, from verse 13, Acts 4, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that this man had been with Jesus. But since they could not see They they could see the man who had been held standing there with them. There was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with this man, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. speaking about what we have seen or heard. Again, verse 20. And for us, for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Father, I commit your word to you this morning. In faith, Lord, we receive what you want to speak to us this morning. And Father, I pray that, Lord, our hearts will be opened, our mind will be engaged, Lord, with what the Spirit is speaking to the church today for the glory of the Father. Amen. I want to put some context in this. Now, we have been looking in the book of Acts. Now, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit has come and the disciples have gone out by the power of the Holy Spirit, being witnesses and ministering the word of God. Now, in the context of our story, it comes from John and Peter walking into the synagogue. And as they walk into the synagogue, there is a man who has been sitting by the gates of the synagogue for very many years begging for alms. And as Peter and John approaches, this man looks at them expecting to receive something from them. Nathan looked at this story a couple of weeks ago. Now, Peter and John reaches the man and they tell him, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have, we give it unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now, this man rises up and walk, limping with joy. He goes to the synagogue. Now, this becomes a problem to the Pharisees and Sadducees and leaders of the law because a miracle has just happened in the name of Jesus, the Jesus that they crucified, the Jesus that was dead, the Jesus that rumors are now going around, he is alive. And this is not good for their religion. This is not good for their law. So they summon, in this context, they summon Peter and John wanting them to have some sort of an explanation of what is going on here. And they are telling them, didn't we not warn you not to speak in this name? And Peter and John, the courage of these two young young guys, the courage of them, they stand and they say, no, we are not going to listen to you. We are going to listen to the one who has sent us as they command them not to speak in the name of Jesus, Peter and John say, as for us, we cannot help but speak in the name of Jesus. I want to open your eyes to the reality of an attempt since the creation for people to suppress the word of God. An attempt for people to to bring the gospel down and shut you up from speaking what God has put into your heart. Paul says, as he declares in 2 Timothy two nine. he says that the word of God cannot be chained. People can be chained. Persecution can come. Rebellion can come. But the word of God will continue from generation to generation going forth. Now, we see through the Bible messengers of god being persecuted messengers of god being killed and even as jesus himself comes to jerusalem he mourns over jerusalem saying oh jerusalem you who kill prophets and the people who bring you good news how have i longed so long to embrace you and put you under my wings like a hen chick will embrace her cheeks but you have rejected you have rejected that message And this is the kind of environment the disciples walked into. It wasn't something that was starting at this time. It had started long ago. So many prophets had been killed. Just a few years before Peter and John are speaking this word, there came a man by the name John the Baptist. He was walking, proclaiming the gospel of God, telling people, repent and be baptized. Make way for the path of the Lord. And John was beheaded because of the message that he was giving. But even though John was beheaded, the message of Christ was not changed. Because just before John was beheaded, he had said earlier, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And Jesus comes on stage and starts ministering the word of God. So they killed John, thinking that the gospel is going to be changed. But Jesus continued with the real gospel of God, communicating the heart of God to man. Now they followed Jesus, and they crucified him, torturing him and crucifying him and nailing him on the cross. And they thought it is over. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit has just now blown a wind of just ministry and people coming out. By the time this gospel is being preached by Peter and John, the Bible tells us in the previous chapter that over 5,000 people have been converted. So these small things that they were thinking, that the small thing they're going to chain it, it has just come out to be so big and unstoppable. But still, the rulers and the leaders are still fighting to stop the gospel at this point. And I can tell you, the reality of the matter is, even now, so many are still trying to stop the spread of the gospel. And you and I are contributing to that surpassing of the gospel. You might not believe it. You might not think you are. But I want to assure you this morning, you and I, in so many regards, we are contributing to surpassing the gospel from reaching the ends of the earth. How do I know this? I'm reminded of Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 4. Moses is called when he is tending to the sheep. And he is called by God through a burning bush. And Moses comes and moves near. And God says, don't move near because the place that you stand is holy. Remove your sandals. And Moses goes to his knees, worshiping God. And God tells him, I want to send you to my people, the children of Israel. I want you to call them out of captivity. And Moses gives an excuse after another. First of all, he says, what if they don't believe me? And God says, I am going to give you signs. And he gives him signs to show the people that he is actually coming from God. And he says, what if, uh, what if they ask me who you are? What am I going to tell them? And God tells them, tell them, I'm the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of their fathers. And Moses still is not convinced. And he goes on to say, Lord, my speech is not good. I cannot speak well. So please send someone else. And God is frustrated with Moses. And he asks Moses, who gives men their speech? Who gives men the ability to communicate and to speak? But Moses is adamant and says that, Lord, I cannot speak. So was the gospel chained? No. God says, okay, I will still send you, but I will speak to the people through your ba- brother Aaron. I want to tell you that the reality of what Moses did on that day is the reality of us today. We, tell, we, we say that I cannot speak, I cannot communicate the word of God. We start giving excuses after another. I cannot communicate because I'm not a pastor. I cannot communicate because I'm not an elder. I cannot communicate because I'm not a scholar in the, in the Bible. And we give excuses after another. But the Lord is telling you this morning. He's saying, I have given you ability to be able to communicate the word of God. The message cannot be tamed. The word of God cannot be suppressed. I look at another man, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called as a young boy. Actually, the Bible says that Jeremiah was called when he was still in his mother's womb. And Jeremiah laments at God and says that, Oh, Lord, I am only a young man. I cannot be able to speak. But God tells him, Jeremiah, I have ordained you to be a prophet for the nations. So don't diminish your capacity, the capacity that I have put in you. Please don't diminish that. Because I have put your word, my word in your mouth for you to be able to communicate. The reality of the message that Jeremiah received is the reality of the message that we have today. God has given us that capacity, young and old. We have that capacity to be able to communicate his word. So good for Jeremiah, he started speaking. Good for Jeremiah, he started communicating the word of God. But 20 chapters later in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah reaches a point whereby he is not getting through to people. He is not being listened to. Instead, he's being persecuted. Instead, he's being locked out in prison. And Jeremiah says, no, I'm not going to speak anymore. And he keeps quiet. Jeremiah keeps quiet. And he says, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. Like Jeremiah We hit walls when we try to communicate the word of God. You try to speak to your friend who is not saved and they reject the message. You go to a workplace, you try to communicate the word and you are bombarded by rules and regulations and the legislation and you get into so much trouble. You try to communicate to your neighbors and you brew enmity. And we hit a wall and we say in ourselves, I am not going to speak again. We step out in faith, in courage, the way John was encouraging us recently. We say, I'm going to be courageous to go and share. I'm going to be courageous to go and pray for that person. And then we go to, we pray and nothing happens. And then we are disappointed and we say, no, I'm never going to pray again. I'm never going to speak again. That is the point where Jeremiah reached. Because his message was not going through. Even though he knew clearly that he has heard from God, he was not seeing the results of that message being factored in, being wired in to the people that he was speaking to. But Jeremiah says something so profound. When he says that I will not speak anymore in this name, he says in the next line, he said, but his word in my heart was like fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You who are here, who shares the gospel of Jesus, you who are here, who speaks to people, you know that fire that comes in your heart. You know that desire, that urge, that you cannot just hold it anymore. You know when a friend comes to you and they are just pouring their heart to you on how much trouble they are having in their relationship. You cannot keep quiet. You cannot keep quiet. Because there is a fire in you that is burning. I have to say something. God is speaking clearly to your heart and telling you, you have to give hope in this hopeless situation. When you meet a friend who is sick and suffering with illness, and they have been praying and praying and praying, and they tell you, we have prayed and prayed, but we are not seeing answers. And even though they haven't seen answers, there is a hope in you, there is a hunger in you, there is a fire in you that must speak in that situation and tell them, even though I don't understand what is going on in your life at the moment, but I know my God is faithful. Friends, there is a fire in us. We cannot afford to be silent. Because the moment we afford to be silent, then the enemy wins. Because when the people say, there is no hope, and we do not challenge it and say, actually, there is hope in Jesus, the enemy wins. When someone says, this illness, I can't just see anywhere I'm going with it. I think I'm just going to give in. And we do not speak and say, no, brother, no, sister, hold on, hang on, because I know that my God is faithful. If we do not speak, the enemy wins. The moment we keep silent, the enemy wins. We see injustice all around us. We see things going wrong in our society. If we do not raise our voices and say, this is wrong, our society fails. Because there is a fire in us that keeps burning, that keeps telling us, this is not right. And as Jeremiah realized, he could not contain that. The word of the Lord became like a fire inside him. And he bubbled up and said, no, I'm going to continue speaking. Regardless of the challenges, regardless of the persecution, regardless of what I don't see, I'm going to trust in God to continue speaking. We cannot hold it in. Our desire to reach the lost is greater. Our desire to speak about the challenges in our society, it is greater than never before. It is like a mother who has reached her day of giving birth. The baby is coming. There is no way the mother can hold the baby in. The baby has to come out. If the mother tries to hold the baby in, it's not going to work because the baby has to come out. And that is the spirit in you. If you try to contain him and say that I'm not going to speak anymore, you are not going to win. Because you are fighting against the creator of the universe. And he will speak through you. Now your speaking, doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how much sin you have committed. It doesn't matter whether you prayed in the morning or in the evening. Because the enemy will trick you and lie to you that because you have done this, then you you have no authority to speak in this regard. Because you did not pray in the morning, then you have met someone who is sick. You cannot pray for them because you didn't have devotions in the morning. But God doesn't work in our abilities. God works in his abilities through us. So wherever you are, I want to encourage you when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. Open your mouth and speak. So Peter says, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. A good example for each, for each one of us. But someone might ask a question. What is this that Peter had seen that he couldn't stop talking about? What is this that Peter had had that made him so much courageous in the midst of adversity to say that I am not going to be silenced, I am going to continue speaking? Peter, he had seen. He had seen Christ when he came to his boat. He had seen Christ when he had been fishing all night and Jesus came and And told him, throw the net on the other side. And Peter, for the first time as a fisherman, he caught the biggest, fattest, many fish of his fishing career. And Peter looks at all these fish which have filled the net up to the time of bursting. And he is so surprised. What kind of a man is this? He had seen a miracle, a wonderful miracle. And Peter had walked from that miracle. ...and followed Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus turn water into wine... ...and people drank and made merry. Peter had seen Jesus walk on water... ...and he he walked to follow Jesus... ...and then he sank... ...and he had seen Jesus come and lift him up. Peter had seen the eyes of the blind open... ...the deaf hear... ...the demon possessed set free. Peter had seen all this in his life... Peter had seen Jesus walking, going into Jerusalem as a king, riding on a horse, or on a donkey. He had seen people cheering, Hosanna is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peter had seen Jesus come into Jerusalem, and instead of being crowned a king, Jesus had come and chased all the table people who were changing money and selling and depriving of the poor. He had taken care of the poor by chasing away all of the corruption that was going in the temple. Peter had seen Jesus praying over and over again on the mountain, praying for them, blessing them, teaching them. Peter had seen with his eyes. Peter had been on the Mount of Consfiguration and seen Jesus transform and his face shining like the sun. He had seen him in the fullness of his glory. So Peter could not be silent because he had seen what Jesus had done. Same as Peter You and I, we have seen what Jesus has done. We have seen how Jesus has picked us where we were. And we have seen how he has walked with us day by day in our life. We can say testimony after testimony on how faithful our God has been throughout our generation. And we have seen with our eyes the miracles that he has done. We have seen that desperate situation in the middle of the night when we think that there is no hope. We have seen the hand of God heavy upon our lives. We have seen Jesus working in the life of others, those who have been sick. We have seen God healing them and bringing them to good health. We cannot deny what we have seen. Not only did Peter see, but Peter also heard. He had heard Jesus speaking the message of reconciliation of man with God. He had seen Jesus speaking the message of love. He had seen Jesus offering forgiveness to a woman who was caught in adultery and telling her, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Peter had seen Jesus in his love, in his love for people, in his care for people. He had seen Jesus with compassionate And he had heard Jesus feed people, speak to people, come around people and lift them up. He had seen Jesus saying, bring the children to me for the kingdom of God. Is theirs. Jesus had done so much and Peter was a witness. Peter and John had seen Jesus and had heard Jesus. They could not be silenced. We have the same privilege as Peter and John. Because we have seen and we have heard. We cannot be silent. We cannot be silent. Why? Because there are some who have never seen and have never heard. A lot has happened in their life, but their hearts are not yet connected to God, so they, they don't have capacity at the moment to see and to hear. If we remain silent, they will never see and they will never hear. It is our duty to keep speaking. It is our duty to keep sharing. It is our duty to have that joy and delight of communicating the message of the cross. So, having seen, Peter says they cannot be silenced. So how can we put this into practice? There are so many ways that we can put this word into practice. But I want to share with you just three things that can help us into putting this word in practice. Into having that position in us to say that I am going to continue speaking. I am going to continue sharing. Number one, we live in a hurt and broken world. If you imagine in your life, there is someone hurting. Each one of us knows someone who is hurting. Each one of us knows someone who is in pain. Each one of us knows someone who is ill. Each one of us knows someone who has lost a loved one. We are the voice of God to those people. We are the voice to speak out and say, it's going to be all right. Even though things are crumbling all over where you are, things are going to be okay. Because I know my father is faithful and he will come through. We live in times whereby depression is on the increase. Loneliness has become a serious issue, especially in this country. People are lonely with no one to turn to, no one to care for them, no one to knock on the door and come in. We are the voice to those people to tell them that you are not alone because God is with you. We are the voice to communicate the word of God, to tell people wherever we go, in every contact that we make, that Jesus is Lord. Someone said this at Catalyst. When we go out, we make contact. And every contact we make leaves a trace. So the question is, what trace are you leaving behind? Are you living a gloom of silence as you live? Or are you living a message of hope to those that you are touching? We are the bearers of good news. The news that we have is good news. The news that we have is news that puts smiles on people's faces. The news that we have is what brings hope in people's hearts. So many people who are Hanging by the cliff. There is just a thread that is helping them hang on the the cliff. It is our voice. It is our voice that will bring them back to the other side. If we do not speak, they're going to fall off the cliff. So I encourage you, let's continue speaking. The second thing we can do is we all have a unique testimony. Now, we share stories every Sunday here at church. But did you know, did you really know you have a unique testimony? You personally, you have a unique testimony of how God has brought you up throughout the generation. You know, at some point, back in high school, when I was in high school, through my years at the university, I I used to be a little bit let down. Because I could be at a meeting and people would share testimonies of how they became Christians and how God knocked their lives upside down. And these testimonies will be so powerful that I will feel a little bit shaken. But I had a testimony of my own that I wasn't sharing. Why? Because I, I thought it's not good enough. Because my testimony was and is, I was born and raised in a Christian family. My mom and dad, they took me to church. They nurtured me. We made communion. We made fellowship every day at my house. And I didn't know any other thing. I learned from a very young age. I don't even know when. I can't tell you when. Just to totally and wholly depend on God. Because I was living in a very dangerous time. For those of you who have ever lived in Africa and spent time in Africa, you know that in Africa, there is a lot of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. You, in, you in the West might not understand. I wouldn't even try to explain to you, but there is a lot of work that, they, that operates in the demonic world. And horrible things are happening to people who don't know Christ. And those who don't know Christ, some of them go to Magicians, some of them go to middlemen, some of them go to, you know, medicine, black magic, and horrible things happen. But with all that happening, I learned at a young age to totally rely on God, to totally trust God. Because you would wake up and you find someone has slaughtered a chicken and spread all the blood all around the house and ashes and all sorts of things. And it's just not normal things that will terrify you. But I learned to rely on God. And I was embarrassed of that testimony because I thought, oh, I wasn't like, you know, killing people or, or robbing banks or whatever, so it doesn't matter. But that testimony matters because it shows God's faithfulness throughout the generation. And my heart just bubbled with joy recently when uh, Scarlett and um, Gabriela were sharing their testimony here. And I was telling Cornelius, I was telling him, you've done good. You've done good because what he imparted on his children, they've imparted on their children. And it's just a flood of generation of people who have been faithful in serving God. And as I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this because your life is a mirror. Your life is a mirror. It is a testimony to the outside world. You do not need to speak a a word. You do not need to say anything. Your life is a testimony. Believe me or not, people are looking at you and they are trying to live like you. Believe me or not, people are looking at the way you talk and they are trying to talk the way you talk. Believe me, people are looking at you the way you raise your children and they are trying to raise their children the way you raise your children without you speaking a word. Why? Because Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Now being a witness, you can speak. But sometimes you don't need to. You don't need to speak. By just the fact of you being a witness, someone knows, oh, it is all right. My friend Nathan here and Jenny came to my wedding in Uganda. So Nathan was my best man. Jenny was my wife's maid of honor. Now, if you didn't know me at all, and you know Nathan and Jenny very well, and you didn't know me at all, and I work in this church, and you say, what's that guy there doing there? I've never seen him before. I don't know him. He just looks a bit scrubby. (laughs) And then Nathan says, or you find out from someone else that Nathan and Jenny know me and they came to my wedding and they were witnesses in my wedding. Your perspective will change because you know Jenny and Nathan. You know them very well. They are faithful men. They are guys who kind of do things right. They are guys who have walked right with God. So you will think, if they associate with him and they were witnesses in his wedding, surely. hmm. And that is the picture we portray to people when we are communicating Christ, who they don't know. Because they are looking at us, they are looking at our lives and they are thinking, "All right, if your life is this good, surely this guy that you are telling me about must really be good. Because I can see you associate with someone who is making your life really great. And I want to know that person. You will want to know me because of the testimony of Nathan and Jenny. I was chatting to Jenny and John last week and they were telling me about their trip in America when they went they treated themselves to celebrate I think it was their 50th wedding anniversary and I was just like wow 50 years of marriage seriously (laughs) but they are life 50 years of marriage is something that you look at and you say wow 50 years of marriage come on Maureen let's do it (laughs) But then sometimes 50 years can look, oh, 50 years, oh, I'm not even sure. <laughs> but you don't have to look at 50 years. Now I look at Nathan and Jenny and I say, hmm, 18 years, is it? Huh? You're 20 now, eh? 20 years, hmm. Myself and Maureen, we've done six, so 20, yeah, that's a little bit, I can look at that. And Jenny, And Jenny and Nathan will be looking at Jenny and John saying, oh, we've done 20, oh, we can go for 50. And someone like my friend Barney, who is still in the field, you know, (laughs) he can look at me and Maureen and say, hmm, he's done six. Okay, I think this thing is good after all. Hmm? So our lives are a reflection of what God wants us to be. So when we live, when we engage in the community with people, the gospel is not something so heavy burdened, that we need to carry and suffer for it. We just need to live like ordinary men. And I'm telling you, our life is a testimony. Wherever we go, we are reflecting Christ in each and every way. A testimony is what people hear, and they are connected with what God is saying. And God is saying to you and me this morning, You go do what you can, and I will do what you can't. Just go do what you can, and let me do what you can't. He's going to use what you can't do, do what you can't do by using what you can do. Lastly, God called us all to share good news. Jesus commissions the church by saying that go and make disciples of all nations. Now it is, it, is, it is easy to think that the commission for going and making disciples is just for pastors and leaders and people who, who want to make a living being church leaders. But the reality of the matter is that commission is for each one of us. Now that is where the speaking comes in. Now he said, go and make. Now we go speaking to people, making disciples wherever we go, because that is the commission of Christ to each one of us. I like this quote, which was said by David Devinish at the Catalyst Gathering. He said, the kingdom of God is not a program being promoted by celebrities. It is ordinary people sowing seeds. We are ordinary people sowing seeds wherever we go. And you might think that that message, that word that is coming out of your mouth is not right or it doesn't make a difference. But I want to assure you, when you get to glory, because you will get to glory, that is the promise of God. you will get to glory. Someone is looking and thinking, oh, me, really? You will get to glory. Because that is the promise of God, that if you put your faith in him, he will give you eternal life. Every word that you say, every encouragement that you made, every prayer that you made, God is going to remember that. And you will find treasures in heaven because of every single word that you have spoken. So don't let yourself down. Don't diminish what God has put inside of you. Don't wait for you to become a pastor or a leader. Don't wait to be married. Don't wait to have children. Don't wait to go abroad. Start in the ordinary. And God is going to work wonders in your life. I want to finish there. But I just have a sense of really us telling God, I am available, just to open my mouth and speak. What's your excuse? You are not deaf. You can speak. So I want to encourage you. If it is fear like Jeremiah was afraid, like Moses was afraid, lay the fear down. If it is anxiety, God will look after your anxieties. If you are too young, even the better, start now. If you are too old, don't write yourself off yet, unless you are in the grave. Each one of us has something that they can bring. And wherever we go, We are the bearers of good news. So let's share it. Shall we stand?